Good morning, everyone. As we begin this morning, I want to start off by saying Happy Father's Day to all of you dads watching from home. You know, there's this story that's told about this father of a family on vacation. As they were driving to their destination, they came across this large sign right in the middle of the road. And it said, road closed, do not enter. This father, however, wanted to save time. So he proceeded around the sign anyway, confident in his own ability to handle whatever situation might arise. His wife and his children, they were resistant to this adventure, but there was no way they were going to change his mind. After a few miles of successful navigation, the father began to boast about his gifts of resourcefulness and of discernment. However, his proud smile quickly was replaced with a sense of humility and frustration when the road that they were driving on led to a washed out bridge. Realizing that there was no way around uh, the situation, there was nothing else he could do, he had to turn the car around and retrace his tracks all the way back to the main road. Now, when he arrived back at that original warning sign, he was greeted by large letters on the back of that sign that read, Welcome back, stupid. <laughs> Listen, the truth is, sometimes we as fathers, or should I just say as men, we make mistakes. Sometimes we do incredibly crazy, even sometimes stupid things. We make poor decisions. Sometimes we don't always say what we mean. Let me give you some examples of that. Now, when a man says that it would take too long to explain, what he really means is, I have no idea how this works. When a man says, take a break, honey, you're working too hard, what he really means is, I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. When a man says, that's interesting, dear, what he really means are, is, are you still talking? When a man says, can I help with dinner, what he's really saying is, why isn't it ready yet? When a man says, uh-huh, sure, sure, honey, or yes, dear, he means absolutely nothing because he's been conditioned to say those things. When a man says, I heard you, what he really means is, I haven't the foggiest clue of what you just said, and I'm hoping desperately that I can fake it well enough so that you don't spend the next three days yelling at me about it. When a man says, you look terrific, what he really means is, oh, please don't try on one more outfit. I'm starving and we're already late. And when a man says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where I'm going, what he means is this, no one will ever see us alive again. Truth be told, sometimes as men, we miss the mark. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, let's go have a little contest. Well, with it being Father's Day, we thought it would be a lot of fun to have a little friendly competition between a couple of dads. Uh, so today we're gonna be using a couple of dads from the staff. We've got Josh and we've got Evan back here and they're gonna be playing a little game of archery uh, tag. Uh, we've got some uh, uh, targets down the field here. They're gonna be trying to knock out those four circles. Josh is trying to knock out the white ones from the blackboard. Evan's trying to knock out the black circles from the whiteboard. And uh, basically they're just gonna shoot some arrows. What we're trying to do here is we're trying to show how easy it can be to sometimes miss the mark or to go along with this sermon a little better. I hope we're more on target with what we're aiming at. So each of these guys has eight arrows and uh, they're going to try their best to knock out these five circles and they're going to go on my count. Ready, gentlemen? Three, two, one, go. They've each knocked one out. 
All right, Josh is up two to one. Both have six arrows left. Oh, all right, we're tied two, two. Both with five arrows left. This is exciting. Oh man, four arrows, each have two discs knocked out. Oh, three to three, they each have three, or three gone, two left, three arrows each. Oh, Evan's one away, both have two arrows left. Oh man, we're tied, one arrow apiece. Josh misses, Evan misses. But hey, great job, both of them. They each knocked out four of their targets. And so I can say, really, they did pretty well. Didn't really miss the mark all that much. But again, sometimes we as men, we miss the mark. But hopefully after today's service, we'll learn what it means to be on target. Life's a lot like archery. Sometimes we miss the mark. But other times, we're right on target. We hit the mark. In the time that we have left together this morning, I want to talk about hitting the mark. Or maybe I should say leaving a mark or perhaps leaving a legacy. Even though it's Father's Day and it's going to apply really well to the men who are listening today, this is a message that not only applies to fathers, but it's also applicable for mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers, children, for those who are married, even for those who are single, for those with children who are still living at home, for those who are empty nesters, for those who are still praying for God to be faithful in this area. This is a message for everyone because I truly believe that we can all leave a legacy. I recently came across this story about a husband and wife who walked by faith throughout their lives. And consequently, because of that, they left a legacy far beyond anything that they could have ever imagined possible. Their names were Jonathan and Sarah Edwards, and they lived in the early 1700s in colonial America. Soon after their marriage, Jonathan Edwards felt the call to go into ministry. So he and his young bride, they began their ministry in what was a small congregation. During the years that follow, he preached many sermons and he even wrote many books. He was influential in the beginning of what is called the Great Awakening, which was this time of a spiritual revival in the 1730s and 1740s in colonial America. Together, Jonathan and Sarah had 11 children who grew into adulthood. Sarah was a partner in her husband's ministry. He sought her advice on everything regarding his sermons, other church matters, they would spend their time talking about these things together. And finally, when their children were old enough, the parents included them into those discussions as well. The effects of the Edwards' lives have been far-reaching. But the most measurable results of their faithfulness to God's call is found in their descendants. Now, a study of the Edwards family was actually done way back in 1900 by a man named A.E. Winship. And this is what he found when he started to look into the 1,400 descendants of this Edwards family. 100 of them had become lawyers, and even one was the dean of a law school. 
80 people in that family were holders of a public office. 66 became physicians and one even became the dean of a medical school. 65 were professors of colleges and universities. 30 of them became judges. 13 were college presidents. Three were the mayors of large cities while three others were the governors of their state. Three of them became a United States senator. One controlled the United States treasury and one became vice president of the United States. We know him as Aaron Burr. Now that's quite a legacy of one family. So my question becomes this, what kind of legacy will you leave? Will it be lasting? Will it be imperishable and eternal? Or will you leave behind only tangible items? Things such as maybe homes or buildings or money or possessions to the ones that you love and to those who will come after you. Parents, what is the legacy that you are leaving your children? If you were on your deathbed right now, what is the one thing that you would want to say to them? If they heard nothing else through all your time together in this life, what is the one thing that you would want to talk to them about? What's the one thing that you would tell them? Over the past couple weeks, we've been in this series called Kings and Queens. Each week, we've looked at one of the kings of, of Israel, and so far, we've discussed Saul and Solomon and Jehoshaphat. Today, I want to look at the dying words of another of these kings to his son, who would become his successor. These are some of the last words that King David actually spoke to his son, Solomon, and these words are found in 1 Kings, the first chapter, verses 1 through 3, and this is what it says. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. Now, as I've looked into this passage this week, I found that there are a lot of incredibly um, awesome things in this passage. These are things that we as parents can pass along to our children as well. But I also believe that these are things that God would want to pass along to each of us individually and as a group this morning. The first thing that David says to Solomon is this. He tells him to be strong. And he says to act like a man. And can I just say this? Christianity needs godly men. I think we get a great definition of what a godly man is by looking straight into God's word. And both passages I want to read here are from the Apostle Paul. And the first remark is kind of his closing remarks in, in the first letter that he wrote to the church of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 16 verses 13 and 14, Paul writes, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And then in verse 14, I think we get a peek of how we do this. Let all that you do be done in love. Then he also writes in 1 Timothy 6, 11, he, and he says, but as for you, O man of God, 
Flee these things. And the things he's talking about, he had wrote about previously to verse 11. And these are things like conceitedness and arguing and envy and slander and the love of money. And he says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. I think in the world in which we live today, most guys do not associate godliness and manliness. In fact, in our society, these two words may even appear to contradict each other. For the average American man living a God-fearing life is not considered manly. So in preparation for this sermon over the last couple weeks, I came across this article entitled, Godly Men, Are They Extinct? It was written by a man named Eduardo um, Quintana. And, and basically, I want to share a little bit of what he says in his article. He writes this. He says, it's obvious to me that men in our society do not see why it is important to live a godly life. If they did, pornography would not be so rampant today. If they understood this, the world would be changed. Assuming that they believed it, we would not have so many fatherless children in our nation. Supposing that they valued it, we would not see so many kids leaving our churches today. If men really thought that living a godly life was important, there would not be so much biblical illiteracy in our culture today. Christianity needs men who will decide to read the truth of the Bible, who will believe that truth of the Bible, and who will obey the truth of the Bible. Quintana goes on and he, he says this, he says, I do not care if you are a police officer, a nurse, a janitor, a bank teller, a teacher, a lawyer, etc. We all should live godly lives. Remember, he says, I'm speaking primarily to men. However, this applies to everybody. He says, living a godly life is extremely difficult. It requires us to be self-controlled and disciplined. It says, you will be prosecuted and you will be hated. It says, you will be um, treated differently, but in the end, our God will be exalted because of it. You need to live a godly life. Not just because you will be successful in your line of work. See, living a godly life does not necessarily guarantee that, but we need to be godly men and even godly women, first and foremost, to honor God. Um, secondly, it's to bring honor to our families. And third, to be role models to our children and those who look up to us. Do you remember the directions that the Apostle Paul gave in those two earlier verses from this morning? about being a man or about being strong. He said, let all that you do be done in love. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Does that really sound like the world's definition of being a man? I mean, after all, here's what the Urban Dictionary says that a man's man is. This is their definition of a man's man. It says, who is a man's man? It says he's a real class act. He always shaves and wears clothes that fit. He's worldly educated and a gentleman. He thinks that button shirts are not just for special occasions and that newspapers have more than one section. While he is polite, he is not a pushover. He will swear when he needs to, but he will try not to lose his temper. He can handle his liquor. He keeps himself in shape and 
most importantly, he will admit his faults and errors because that's what real men do. He don't have to be gay or straight or black or white, Republican or Democrat, atheist or evangelist. He just has to do whatever he thinks makes himself a good person that he can be proud of. And for these reasons, women want him and men want to be him. And then I went on to give examples of what a man's man is. Cary Grant, Gregory Peck, Denzel Washington. They are all terrific examples of what a man's man looks like. Now, I don't know about you, but this all looks and sounds rather self-serving to me. That's why I believe that the one way that we can be strong in the way that God wants us to be strong and show the love of Christ is to recognize the needs that are in our world today. And then once we recognize those needs that we respond with compassion and with action, that we serve one another. In Matthew 9, 36, we read, after seeing the multitudes, he and the he being Jesus, he felt compassion for them. And we need to feel compassion for people the same way that Jesus does. You know, fathers and mothers, you need to leave the type of legacy that is being committed to doing something about our world and teaching your children to do the very same. Seeing the current situation in our world today that we're living in, there may be no greater time than right now to show the love of Christ to those around us. See, many Christians today, I, I believe they're walking in the middle of the road. They're so focused on what other people think that they're unwilling to take any risks in order to make an impact in their world for Christ. In light of this, I came across this, this quote by somebody named Jamie Buckingham, and they wrote, the problem with Christians today is that nobody even wants to kill them anymore. And I think that this says a lot, because Christians once were persecuted and killed for trying to spread the name of Jesus. How many of you have ever flown in an airplane before? How many of you have ever, when you've been flying, you've looked out the window and you've seen all the rows of houses and, and when you've done that, have you ever just thought how many people in those homes, how many people in those houses, lives in those houses do not know who Jesus is? You know, this year alone, 30 million people will die without even hearing the name of Jesus Christ. You know, hundreds of millions will pray to idols and, and to false gods. And my question is, does that bother you? Do you want to do anything about it? Is this something that you can pray about? Is this something that you can make a stand for? Is this something that you can do? See, somebody needs to reach these people with the good news of Jesus, and I believe if you want to leave a lasting legacy, you need to act with courage to reach out to those who are in need. Fathers, can I, can I talk to you for a second? See, being godly is not for the weak. You can show the world that you are sold out for God, that you are someone who loves God with your whole heart. In doing so, you will show this world that real men can live a pure lifestyle and they can stay godly. And I believe this leads us to the second thing that we can see from, from David of what he said to Solomon. And he says this, he said, observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. 
You know, if we're only told to be strong and to act like men, it wouldn't be enough. It's not just a, a matter of manning up. We must be proactive and not be passive in our obedience to what God is calling us to do. See, Scripture, it tells us to fear the Lord and to obey him. Your legacy, this legacy that I'm talking about this morning, this legacy that you're going to leave your children, it begins in your heart. It begins in your relationship with God. Psalm 112, 1 and 2, it it tells us how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. God defines our success in pursuit of obedience to him. Not deviating to the right or to the left of his plan in our lives. Are you doing everything that you can to follow him with all of your heart and with all of your soul? We're to walk in his ways and we're to keep his decrees and and commands and, and his laws and his regulations Because it's only when we do that that we experience the last part of what David said to Solomon in the passage that we've been looking at. And it says this. He says, do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. Did you see that? When we are strong and we act like a godly man and we walk in obedience to God, we'll prosper. And we'll be able to pass it along to our offspring. Blessings in our life and in the lives of our children can come from a result of our obedience to God today. So where are all of our godly men? Where are the men who are going to lead their families and and, and have family devotions together? Where are the men who are willing to live for God at their workplaces and and read their Bibles and share about Jesus with their associates? Where are the men who will pray for and care for their families? We need men who are bold and who are unashamed of Christ in every aspect of their life. We need to let our light shine in the darkness of this world around us. And I think we would all agree again that, man, there's a lot of darkness going on in our world today. Are you called to be a man that lives his life for Christ? Are you a man that will put God first, his family second, and everything else after that? Will you live a godly life and answer the call of God or will you continue to maybe just walk through this life or maybe even live selfishly? My prayer for each person living today, each man listening, each woman, each child, that we would learn to become godly men and godly women and godly children and that every person again listening would take this message to heart because all of us leave a legacy So what kind of legacy are you leaving? Are you on target or are you missing the mark? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you that we could look into the life of David and look at his final words that he left to his son Solomon about being strong, 
about being obedient and following your ways. And God, that should be something that as parents, we pass on to our children. And that even as children, God, we listen to those words. We listen to the words of David. We listen to the words of our parents, which are, are your words, God, and, and we live accordingly. God, we're living in a world that needs you, a world that needs to know who your son is. And my prayer this morning is that we would take it serious and we would get to business, your business of sharing the good news and saving lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.